You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. It's Monday, so it's time for Shapiro World with David Shapiro, who's the Deputy Chairman of Sassam Securities in Johannesburg. And David, I was reflecting upon things over the weekend and I thought to myself, I mean, maybe I watch too much TV. Maybe I read a little bit too much into things that I read on Twitter and various websites mm. and things. But I think that the next three months, what is it now, August, August, mm. September, October, no, the next four to five months are going to be absolutely tumultuous uh, for markets and investment professionals like yourself. Mm. I, I, I think what you don't realize is that it's been tumultuous since March. When, when did the start? February, March. It's been very, very difficult. The fact that we are up and have recovered uh, losses doesn't mean it's any less stressful. It's taken stress off our clients, but uh, uh, the path forward still remains very unclear. We don't understand what we're dealing with. You know, we have no idea until such time as you do get a vaccine that's effective. But in the meantime, there's patchiness. I mean, there are outbreaks all over the world. Admittedly, it's, it's patchy. It's confined to areas. But uh, restarting the economy is going to be very difficult. It's going to be stop-start, and it's going to be erratic. So you try to work your way through this. Look, markets, I'm looking at the S&P at the moment. In, in, uh, in the U.S., it's up another three-quarters of a percent. That market seems to be going. But even then, it's causing people to, when you say reflect, to say, well, why? Yes, great results from tech companies, but what else? You know, what else is there? So it's not an easy time. It's, it's, it's very, very difficult. Lindsay, you know, you read too much. By, by, by reading too much, it means there's so many dots that you're trying to, you know, that you're trying to join, and you can't do it. It doesn't join. You know, that's, that's where the confusion and, uh, difficulties come in. So it's it's each day, um, you know, we sit here trying to work out where the next move is. It could be up, it could be down. That's the kind of markets we're in. This is not one of those traditional bull markets where we haven't had one for a long time, but I'm saying it's not one of those traditional bull markets where you really feel good about what's happening. You know, I don't think anybody feels that great about what's happening. No, and it's at the confusion at the top, whether it be at the corporate level, whether it be at the health crisis, uh, the, the global public yeah. health crisis level, or whether it be government level. I don't know what it is, but when I see the TikTok story with Microsoft, yeah. China, yeah. the United States, this sort of epitomizes what's, what's going on. Certain jurisdictions don't like TikTok because they think that they're storing data and feeding it to to China. TikTok says, no, all our data is stored in Singapore, etc. Then Microsoft comes in and says, we're going to buy TikTok in North America, in other words, United States, Canada, and then also Australia and New Zealand, and they have had a meeting with Mr. Trump, and I think Mr. Trump has given them the, the green light. And then I, th I stopped reading it. I think, what on earth, what is earth is going on here? This is a video app with young people dancing, and this has now become a global phenomenon, not because of its dancing, but because of the political aspect to it. How absurd is this? No, it is absurd. I mean, it's this is McCarthy era. This is uh, the Cold War. This is... You know, there's a communist under uh, every table or in every house, or there's uh, now it's uh, the Chinese are bugging your system. I mean, what, all I ask, and, and look, I'm not, I don't understand anything. When they say to me, do you want this? I say, yeah, I don't care. 
Do you, you know, I don't care if they know what size shoes I wear or where I buy tracksuits or, or things like that. Because you've got nothing to hide, you see, that's the point. I've got nothing to hide. I'm saying, what, what difference does it make if they accumulate my data? In fact, I like it sometimes because uh, they'll suddenly come back to me and say, hey, we know what movies you're watching. Why don't you look at that? I say, oh, that's a cool idea. You know, thanks for letting me know. <laughs> so, so I don't, you know, it doesn't bug me. Do you know, understand what I'm saying? So, I don't know exactly uh, what you're saying, but it's the people that are spooked by the the conspiracy theorists oh, at the top. I, Mr. Trump, he's the greatest conspiracy theorist oh. of all, and they just worry about it. But yeah, just get on with it, for goodness' sake. Let's talk about um, getting on yeah. with it. Let's look at Shoprite. This is a yes. big move today. Mm. Now they're exiting Nigeria, potentially exiting Nigeria. Uh, their sales jump was was pretty good. Was this a surprise to you, or was it something yes. that, in the back of your mind, you said, "No, this actually makes a lot of sense." No, no they they were they were first in Nigeria. Look, uh, Mr. Price pulled out. We've had Woolworths pull out, so I, I I'm not sure what's driving them out. Whether it's just a difficult country in which to deal, we don't know. We've seen that with MTN, uh, but. You know, the great African expansion is suddenly shrinking. You know, it's, it's, you're seeing a lot of businesses have had issues there. NAMPAC had enormous problems in Nigeria. Uh, yes, the oil price has gone down. So I don't know much about the Nigerian economy, which is, you know, which is the oil price falling has probably uh, played on them. But I don't know what the, what the issues are. But what's, at, at, you know, what, what I'm trying to fathom with is that, you know, there was so much talk the last decade or so about expansion into Africa and what a wonderful market this offered. But I think, I think there are 50 countries in sub-Saharan Africa. There might be more. I suppose each country has got its own sets of rules. It's got its own borders, its own way of doing business, its own currencies, its own, you know. So it, it, it's 50 times harder than probably doing a, uh, business in America, which is one kind of big, expansive land. But, I mean, mm. the people who live down in San Diego are, are, are hardly any different from the people who live in New York, whereas in Africa, I think it's much, much more difficult. So I, I don't know. I think that's a big disappointment. We must you, – you've got to look at it because where do people where, – where are these businesses going to expand? Do, mm. do, do you know what I'm saying to you, Lindsay? Where I do. Where are they going to expand their markets if they're starting to withdraw from Africa? Where's the growth going to come? It's not going to come in South Africa, you know, not or not for a long time. So where's where's you know, we we're going to make money here? I don't know. Nor do I. So I had I'm, to, I'm I, worried about that, you know. Yeah, you must be. I had a friend. I mean, this was many, many years ago, ten, eleven years ago, who uh, owned a fast food chain, which was you know, doing pretty well. It was in a competitive uh, area, but he was he was he was doing well. He was number two or three, and he thought he'd go to Nigeria. He said, "I went to Nigeria, Lindsay." And it was a complete disaster. I decided not to go there, even though the market was massive, potentially massive. The supply chain problems, the corruption problems. He said he couldn't find the chicken for his particular product. He couldn't find the mushrooms for his particular product. He couldn't find the pastry for his uh, offering. And he just said, no, I'm not going to do it, even though it was potentially very lucrative. There wasn't just, it was, Mm. he almost described it as being chaotic in Nigeria. And I'm not being disrespectful Mm. to Nigeria. Nigerians no. at all. It was just at the time it was a burgeoning economy and still is, but he just couldn't do business mm. there. Well, Woolworths pulled out, Mr. Price pulled out, uh, Tiger Brands got taken for $2 billion. Yeah. So I, I think the expansion or the 
um, experience there hasn't been good. I, I, I just remember, and I, it was either Mr. Price or Woolworths, they said they sent four containers up. Now, number four container was for winter. You know, in other words, they sent all the clothes up and they had to be opened in a certain order. And he says, what happens? They go and open up number four first, you know, or they clear number four first. He says, you've got to go back there and say, no, I want number one cleared first. Mm. Then they say, no, if you want number one cleared first, this is the cost. This is a nightmare. I can't remember. It was one of these stories, and it was a few years ago, of, of how difficult things were and, and how chaotic they were. So I'm, I'm sure it's, it, it's not as easy. It sounds very attractive. A uh, billion people in Africa um, coming from very low basis. Um, so there's a lot of expansion. There's a lot of available expansion, but I don't know. And this, this shop writer, they were the first people there, and they were the ones who were making money. I don't know. I'd love to hear what Whitey Besson says about it. It's, uh, you know, he was he was he's, up there. He was the uh, first. Mm, yeah, he's he's gone to writer. ground. And but, but to, to be uh, fair, yeah. that they've 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 cut it as well. And, and the market mm. likes that. But does the market also like the the sales numbers? It says here. Despite difficult circumstances in a year incorporating the COVID-19 lockdown and accompanying regulations governing trade, transport and operations, the group increased total sale of merchandise for the 52 weeks to the 28th of June by 6.4%. Look, it doesn't sound a lot, but at the moment, uh, inflation is 2.2%. So maybe... Yeah. Uh, at the moment, yeah, obviously over the last year it hasn't been 2.2%. But they, the market seems to say, goodness me, you're growing your sales rather than shrinking your sales. Mm. They like it. Remember they went under they, – they had a lot of problems last year with strikes at their warehouses, at their, uh, at their mm. depots, and, uh, you know, which, which caused them a lot of issues. Um, they've got that right, and I think they're clawing their way back. Um, so there might be – quite a bit of clawback in these numbers. But, the, but it's a, Lindsay, it's at the bottom end of the market. Or put it, sorry, it's, it's feeding. It's the kind of uh, area that would do well in a lockdown, particularly at a time when everybody was stockpiling. So I, I, I suppose one's got to look ahead and see whether they can sustain and keep those kind of results up. But I think the market liked it. It moved up 10%. They've done better than, than most other companies during this the, the period. They've done a lot better than Pick and Pay has done and certainly Mass Mart. I haven't looked at Spa, mm. but um, it's, it's, it's a nice number. They're still down. They're still down on the year. Um, maybe, I, I suppose, with a 10% increase, they're still minus, you know, negative at a time where the all-share index is um, – is only down about two odd percent, but but relative to other you know other retailers and consumer stocks, they've done okay. Yes, they have. And there's another thing that um, I spoke to Nick Kunzer about, which need not detain us for too long, but it's something called sixty sixty. And I think Nick was saying to me this morning that this was one of the things that they focused on in their meeting this morning about these shoprite results. Is that you you phone them up. And if it's not there in 60 minutes, you don't you don't pay a delivery fee or something like that. They, they've rolled it out. I don't know if you're a 60-60 man. I don't know what it is. No. Okay, we'll talk about that with Nick tomorrow night. What, what happened? Uh, what, sure. The rand, the rand really disturbs me. Um, I don't know, yeah. yeah anyway, let's talk about you other know things. What? Go on. Now, the rand, sure. I think the rand is, is, is very important because… So important. Uh, no, we don't know what the issue is. It might be a deal. In other words, 
It might just be an off, you know, a deal where someone's moving money or related to uh, some financial transaction. We don't know. But if you go back a week or two ago, we were down at about 1630. Yes. We now 17, 25. 24, 17, 24. That was 1730. But uh, just work out where it was early this morning, you know, or on Friday. So, so I, it's gone against the trend by the trend meaning, yes, there's been a slight improvement in the dollar and there's been, but the euro remains strong, the pound remains strong, gold remains strong. So all the normal measures for against the rand, you know, that the rand move, usually moves with uh, have been okay. But um, I think this is the IMF. I think that, that observers, investors, analysts, are looking at South Africa and saying, hold on a sec, <laughs> uh, unless they stick by their views, you know, that they're going to control costs and they're going to stick by the letter, um, and you know, which, which they wrote to IMF saying that they're going to, uh, you know, um, what the word is, you know, institute controls and monitor the spending and so on, if they don't do that then I think things are going to really go the other way. There's nothing. The IMF will rent money. There are no conditions, admittedly. The conditions could come later. Um, mm. The irony is that it, while they brought $70 million in last week, and this is the figure being brandished around because I think it came in special drawing rights, but I'm going to use the dollar conversion. If they had to pay it back now, it would be $74 yes. billion. In other words, in one week, You've lost ten uh, percent, three percent, yeah, or something, or seventy to seventy, yeah, six and a half, or so, but yeah. whatever. But anyway, yeah. you're quite right. A lot more. So suddenly, yeah, the, the, there's yeah. two aspects here. We talked about the short-term aspect of it last week, and you said, well, maybe people were front-running, and the, and therefore that money was coming in, and people were hedging. Mm. That's why we saw the rand strength, and then and then after yeah. that, there was a a vacuum. And yep. uh, there was there was nothing for people to do but uh, other than sell. And now suddenly yep. people are saying South Africa has gone to the IMF. Yes. And that is yes. a red flag to any investor. Yes, yes. it is. Because uh, listening to Kevin Lings this morning, mm. as he rightly says, they've exhausted or will they, they exhausting the local market because every day – and I'm, I'm quoting Kevin, they have to borrow, South African government has to borrow a billion rand. And that includes Saturdays and Sundays. So mm. they can only borrow because it's local from local institutions, you know, from, from savings here. Yes, they might get some foreign inflows, but that's the issue. Now, they needed more money. They had exhausted the market. They had to go outside. So I think that's, that's beginning to bother people that, uh, you know, the borrowings are going up and they have to – they have to continue every day to borrow that kind of money in order to just to get through life. And you, know, Lindsay, you need growth to pay it back. You can't, you can't uh, take that money and give it to social services. Admittedly, you know, you give it to people and then they go to checkers or, or shop right and they spend it. You know, there's a multiplier effect. But overall, you've got to create a, a growth. You know, you can't just allow that to go into consumption, which is literally eaten. <laughs> yes, you know, you, but it helps the farmers and it helps a few people. But you need growth. You need to produce things that other people need. We need to to invest in this economy, and 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 that's the big issue. That uh, we're not seeing those kind of monies. I don't mind going to the IMF as long as listen. That seventy billion is earmarked for this 
this factory or or we're going to put up this, you know, which is going to create jobs and it's going to produce something that, that we are going to be able to use that's going to help this economy. I don't see any of that. You know, that's I, I, I worry. I mean, you know, I've always been a worry about South Africa. But um, to be honest, Lindsay, my, my strategy at the moment is I'm – I far prefer what, what we can get offshore. If I'm staying in South Africa, it's full of trackers. There's not one share that appeals to me here. I, I give or take, you know, some one or two commodity stocks I'm talking, you know, which are driven by uh, iron ore prices or copper prices or alternatively uh, process and aspects. But otherwise, there's nothing that, that, that jumps out at me. Okay. Uh, what's jumping out at me at the moment is that the Nasdaq is up another 1.3%. Mm-hmm. I mean, and, and this is the split between the the traditional stocks and the, mm-hmm. the new world stocks that are adapting mm-hmm. or rather benefiting, if you can benefit from coronavirus. They, they, they're doing so well. I mean, the results came out last week and people are saying, "Why? it's not difficult. Let's just stay long of these things. Mm-hmm. It's not difficult, is it? Well, no, no, no. Look, the valuations are stretched, but... Uh, if you really want to press that, um, you know, where you've got negative real yields, meaning that if you invest in a fixed interest instrument in the United States, uh, the return you get is is lower than inflation. So there's, there's, you're not getting a, uh, a return there, a positive return. So I think people are still turning to the stock market. After Apple's results, it seems to be the one that's leading the way. Uh, Microsoft now associated with TikTok. Zoom is still a big one. Alibaba is still okay. I must tell you that I I read in the weekend on in um, The Economist, yes. they actually highlighted and their briefing was on, on actual Google, which they're calling now a middle-aged company, you know, ah. and saying – It's 16 years old. <laughs> well, I think it's a little older than that, but uh, – No, I don't think it is. 90s. Late nineties, I think. So it's just over twenty years, but I think Which is meaning that uh, yeah. bit of competition coming in, um, you know, advertising slowing down. They can't keep that. They have almost all the advertising, so they've got to look for other avenues. I don't see it that way as badly as they do, or as negatively as they do. They've still got uh, YouTube, so they've still got and a lot of money to find other ideas. I suppose they've got to maybe reinvent themselves as. Uh, as we saw with Apple, you know, Apple re- when I say Apple reinvented itself, it doesn't sound like it. But remember, it was a, a, a not a, it was uh, it was Mac and it was desktops, you know, and along came the iPhone, which has changed everything, and and also Microsoft, you know, which is a complete uh, turnaround from where it was um, under Ballmer. So maybe it has to be done. But I mean, this is um, you know, tech share is very very strong at the moment. That the reason I said 16 years was because I saw on uh, some report that it was the first fall in revenue uh, for 16 years. I oh, think it okay. was. Oh, it maybe, could have been yeah. that, yeah, because yeah. it felt, yeah. it felt yeah. Uh, Alphabet's revenue fell by 2%, uh, but still was a beat last week. Do you know what the thing is about Apple, which is so incredible, is that, that there is – how long has Apple been, been going? I mean, in, in its form okay. – in its iPhone yeah. form. Mm-hmm. No, There's two apples. There's, you know, from the moment Maybe that the iPhone 12. started, how long has that been? 20 years? No. Not never. even? No, the iPhone is 12 years, 12, 13 maximum. Mm. Maximum. And uh, we never knew. When, he, when Steve Jobs launched the iPhone and said this is going to be the future, no one thought about it. You know, you just, oh, no, I don't really need that. You know, it's, 
and it's changed everything. I mean, it, it, it's it's remarkable. Uh, remarkable in the sense that smartphones dominate our lives uh, and and all progress from everything from streaming to gaming to everything you know has uh, has has had to be changed uh, uh, for the iPhone. You know everything we were doing before was on the desktop. Now we would use the phone as communication. But I mean the change that's taken place in 10 or 12 years is quite remarkable. It and is, I, th- and I that, think it's only stalking. Huh? And the thing is, David, that what, the point I'm trying to make about this, uh, mm. only being however many years it is, the point is that someone like me and probably someone like you, I don't want to change. People come, come to me and say, well, there's this amazing Huawei phone. It's got a brilliant camera. Or there's this Samsung yeah. thing, which is just unbelievable. I don't care. I just no, no. I just know how to use an iPhone, mm-hmm. and so it'll be the 12 and the 20 mm-hmm. and the 30 in the future. And I tell my children this, and it, 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 it's a, mm-hmm. it, a, a sense of loyalty and also inertia. There's product inertia yeah. here. I'm not going to change for the rest of my life. I'm not going to go to somewhere <laughs> else because I know what happens when I get my iPhone out the box. I know which button to press. I know. I laugh, I, I laugh because... In the 80s, 90s, I can't remember, probably 90s. Do you mm. remember Lotus 1, 2, 3? Lotus spreadsheets. No, no they don't. dominate. <laughs> no, Lotus don't. 1, 2, 3 was the industry standard. You know, if you did, they were the first with the, and I, you know, I took to it. I loved it because I could program in it and everything. I could do all kinds of applications for Lotus 1, 2, 3. They were a great company. And then along comes Microsoft Windows 95, you know, with, <laughs> with Excel. <laughs> and suddenly, that's it. And they had to relearn. And I remember cursing because I had to relearn. I had to move or migrate from Lotus 1, 2, 3 to, to Excel. And today, Excel's the standard. You know, it's, uh, yeah. But I understand where you are. It's a horrible change. I don't want to do it as well. I am. I have an iPhone. I know how to use it. Exactly. Uh, I use only about 10% of its capabilities, but that's good enough for me. Yeah, 10% of your capabilities. <laughs> <laughs> I won't say anything. <laughs> a lot more than other people's. Yeah, I've got two iPhones in front of me now. Kids. It's ridiculous. I've got two iPhones in front of me now, and I'm looking at them both. That is the extent of the power oh, of this extraordinary but company. Yeah, but, but, Lindsay, you look at TikTok, and you see how kids change how they moved from Facebook, which was children, you know, through to Instagram and all the other programs. And now TikTok. My grandchildren in the U.S. use TikTok. And, and that's all they do. They send messages to their friends and everything on TikTok. So it's massively popular there. Um, and they're creative. I mean, they're incredibly creative, you know, on, on TikTok. It's remarkable how quick they are to learn how they can do editing, you know, in other mm. words, make funny videos. I, and, and I, you know, I can't even get past, I can't even turn it on. So, <laughs> you, know, so um, you can understand, but whether this is a Chinese conspiracy theory, theory uh, I mean, theory to, to take over the United States, I'm not quite sure. I'm not I just sure. I think it's ki- little kids having fun. <laughs> exactly. And it's being politicized, which is very, very, very sad indeed. Anything else you're seeing at the moment, David? We've well, seen the, the South African PMI story, yeah. comes out, yeah. uh, slower really manufacturing. No, no, no. Sorry. But not nothing Ameri- else. The, the American PMI, the European PMIs, have come out, Chinese PMI come out. South Africa's slowing a, uh, a little bit. The other big story, which I am surprised 
has not exerted more issue pressure on the market is this they can't you know the democrats and uh, republicans can't find common ground with a deal mm. with a stimulus deal and i mean they're going at each other it's just just awful and i thought that the market you know the fact that the uh, people on unemployment are not going to get that extra six hundred dollars i thought it would have some impact what the market's saying is yeah 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 they're going to come to a deal but uh, it's not that clear you know, so I, I, I'm surprised it hasn't had any, uh, you know, any any impact on the market. David, they don't know what they're doing. There's the, the UK no, government this morning has unleashed this deal. No, never listen to this one. I don't know if you've seen it. I don't know. There, there's someone's. I don't know how much they're paying these advisors at the moment. But there's someone. Some genius has come up with the Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Wednesday eat out to help out deal. I don't know if you've seen that. On a Monday, Tuesday, and a Wednesday, if you go to a restaurant which is signed up with the government deal, the UK government deal, and you have, um, I don't know what you normally have, a, a coffee, uh, a croissant, mm-hmm. and um, a, an eggs benedict or, or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it yeah. costs you, for example, in the UK, it would cost you £12 in the morning. The government will pay that restaurant £6 of that. In other words, 50% of your meal on Monday, Tuesday, or Wednesday, whether it be breakfast, lunch, or dinner, will be paid by They'll the UK it. government. Yeah. So, But if you go out in the evening and have a steak which costs you £20, a glass of wine which costs you 6 so that's your total meal is £26, they won't pay for the alcohol, 50% of the alcohol, but they pay 50% of your steak. And I think to myself... <laughs> is this what it's come to now? You're paying people to go out and eat, and at the same time you're telling them to lock down? It's chaos. It's um, ridiculous. It is chaos. You know, you know what? Um, I, I, I'd, I'd love to question people and say to them, three years hence, four years, five years hence, or even a decade, 20 years, how are people going to reflect or look back on this period? You know, once it's worked its way through, how are we going to look back on and say, you know, how governments handled this and what the fallout was? Because from my point of view, it just seems to be, it just seems to be chaos. You know, I can't think of uh, another word. If you look at America, it's all over the place. Mm. Trump trying to survive, trying to survive by going at China, going at TikTok. I mean, that's his tactics. You know, is, is is to keep the rhetoric up on China. I mean, not admitting anything about the uh, pandemic and what it's done to the economy and what it's done to people's lives. Uh, I think all over. And and suddenly, suddenly, Lindsay, everyone's turning bullish on Europe, and simply because they're getting out of it first, and seem to they seem to have come out as the most mature. I'm not I'm not talking. Uh, you know, even even in Australia, I mean, Victoria's. Uh, um, Victoria is a bit of a, a mess up. Yes. Um, um, maybe Mel, you know, Melbourne, but I mean, um, if you look at Europe, seems to be okay. You know, seems to be doing all right uh, relative to everyone. But it's 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 all over the place. You know, it's just uh, and no, no one's got, no one has tried to call all the countries together, like at the G20 or G7 or G8, and say, hold on a sec, how are we going to handle it? Nothing. There's been absolutely nothing. I think leadership, it's exposed political leadership for what it is. It's just a sham. You know, uh, there's no statesman. I don't think anybody's come out uh, as a statesman over this era. No, 
Yeah, absolutely right, David. Let's talk I'll about something. That, yes. Let's something. <laughs> let's talk about something a little bit more important, and that was well done, Arsenal, for winning the yeah. FA Cup against mm. Chelsea because it was a really good game. Certainly, the first half was. Yeah. Second half drifted off a little bit. But where did Aubameyang come from? I mean, he's incredible. I mean, everyone's saying he's the best striker in the world at the moment. Or certainly, Piers Morgan is as a staunch Arsenal supporter, and he's worth 150 million, maybe 200 million, which is a lot of nonsense. But goodness me he is quite good and Arsenal suddenly after you and I talking about them in disparaging terms over the last few months Arsenal are suddenly looking as though they might be contenders next season well they've got a lot to do I think they're okay when they're actually defending they by defending is when they haven't got the ball when they've got the ball they're not quite sure what to do but um which is that's why they're good again they've done so well against teams like Chelsea and Man City and Liverpool but I, I think what's above young he's not a youngster, hey. I think he's in his thirty, thirty one. Is he? I don't think he's a yeah, I oh. don't think he's a youngster. Um I need to check that, but he came from uh where did the Pulisic come from? One of the German sides. Dortmund. Um, Did you Dortmund? I think maybe? he came from Dortmund, yeah. He oh. came from Dortmund. Oh. So they had played together and I he was a good scorer. He was a, he was a decent player, but I think he's come to his own. And and I mean the second goal was you know really magic, beautiful, yeah. And he's fast, he's fast as well. So yeah, they need him. But uh, you know what's happened with Arsenal? Uh, every time they get a great striker, they lose him to Man United. I don't think this time. Else. I think <laughs> no. because they've got uh, mm. because they've got Mikel mm. Arteta, who's a mm. young and potentially very good manager, yeah. uh, as he learns his trade. I think that Aubameyang will stay with them. I hope so because I hope so, yeah. the the first division or the Premiership needs teams like Arsenal. They don't need them mucking around in mid-table. They need Arsenal, Spurs, no. Chelsea, yeah. Man United, Liverpool, yeah. Man City. They need those teams up there in mm. order to validate the validate the amount of money that we spend and yeah. the amount of time we spend watching this crap. <laughs> but, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, it's, uh, well done I, to I you. I felt sorry for, Charlie, uh, for Chelsea, I think, especially the injuries. You know, they had some awful injuries. And they weren't clashed injuries. You know, they weren't injuries that resulted from a clash. Yes. But rather from just pulling up hamstrings and and also Pedro right at the end, you know, when I mean they were pressing hard and going for the ball and uh, it was rough. But listen, thank goodness I got through. I'm just sorry that that couldn't be there. You know? mm. I was there three years ago when they beat Chelsea also two one, mm. and it's a fun day. You know, it's fun when your team wins. It's just generally a fun day. It is. FA Cup finals is, is wonderful. Anyway, David, thank you very much All for your right. time this evening. David Shapiro is the Deputy Chairman of Sassam Securities in Merrill's Arts Johannesburg, and that was Shapiro World. The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organization, employer, or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision, and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.